Welcome to the Onyx Pathcast. My name is Matthew Dawkins, and I am joined here by my co-hosts, Dixie Cochran. Hello there. And Eddie Webb. Bonjour. Now, I believe we're operating currently on what I'm estimating to be a four-second delay, which will hopefully be ironed out through the <laughs> editing process. But... Luckily, this is going to be an episode that is filled with extensive, colourful, dramatic, creative monologuing by the respective co-hosts, with occasional input, because we are going to make games great again. Oh no, I misread that. We're just making games again. Don't say that. (laughs) (laughs) Great games again. (laughs) Yes, yes. And, uh, well, actually, have I got a story for you? co-hosts before we get started. Have you? Uh, When I was... I do. I do have a story. Uh, So before we uh, got into this, I thought, okay, well, how are we going to find the sort of seeds to germinate these ideas of ours, these fantastic new games? I mean, what can possibly beat some of our games from the past? I remember some of mine... uh, What was it? Um, Romance in the Time of Androids, I think, was one of mine. Uh, the, of mm. course, uh, ultra-cooking hot Tensai Dragon Super Kendai thing. That was fun. <laughs> um, it changes every time. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but And so I thought, I'll go online and I will find some kind of plot generator and found a website called plot-generator.org.uk. The hyphen is a dash, isn't spelled. Oh, oh, good. Now... Yeah. (laughs) And I went on here, and this wasn't what I was looking for, but instead I did generate 20 random story ideas. And uh, presumably this is something people will use for things like Nano... Is it NaNoWriMo or NaNoWriMo? NaNoWriMo. NaNoWriMo, that's it. Uh, Because some of the story ideas here are utterly absurd. We couldn't make games from them, I don't think. Uh, You could maybe make a barren... Munchausen story from them. I'm going to give you some of these story ideas now and see whether, just just to warm up, it percolates any ideas. So, for instance, this was number three on the randomly generated plots. When a virgin from Raleigh learns to play the drums, not everybody is supportive. However, his fortunes improve when his golf caddy tries to start a war. The Virgin later finds out that his golf caddy is the <laughs> devil in disguise. <laughs> so, um, you have to be a virgin. What <laughs> uh, does that have to do we, with anything? Yeah, see, I, I was struggling to think of how you could make a story out of that one, but there was a another one. Number five was... Cindy is a singer from San Francisco who falls in love with her best friend. I thought, okay, fair enough, this is starting well. The two are separated when the best friend falls into the ocean and loses her memory. So I'm thinking, okay, this is uh, this is what lovers playbook <laughs> a soap kind of opera. thing. It's a soap opera. Uh, but yeah, but yeah. then here's the last line. It turns out Cindy has been dead all along. <laughs> So it's a race game. (laughs) (laughs) And this one's my, this one is my personal favorite. I mean, these are all fantastic and uh, I, I would more than happily go through all of them, but we don't have time. So number seven is a chef from Vancouver is delighted when she gets the chance to take part in the final of a baking competition. 
However, her chances are scuppered when her cousin is badly injured in a car accident. It turns out the competition is just a delusion, and actually, the chef has no talent. (laughs) Wow. What? Wow. That is... What? That doesn't make any sense. I just imagine the end of the book is her cooking in the kitchen alone going, oh, the cameras are still on me. <laughs> uh, that, that, would, that would be the first time we, as the sort of uh, omniscient viewer, finally get to see the food that she's been making. Throughout the novel, she's been telling us, my, my desserts are world class. I'm going to win this competition. <laughs> and on the last page, we finally get to see one. It's just a brown splat on a plate. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i can't wow. i can't she's like look at this pastry and it's like a sponge, <laughs> it's, like a sponge. it's like that uh david bowie bust in uh in the great uh british bake-off I, I'm. I imagine you've seen the photos if oh, you haven't watched God. the uh, show. No, I've seen where, all of them, and those busts <laughs> were so horrifying. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, it, the, no, the David Bowie one feels like it's saying "Kill me." <laughs> <laughs> it really did. I mean that. That said, on a on a brief baking show tangent here, um, the thing about the Great British Baking Show that is good is when they are just testing their skills, I think, and when they try to go, like, okay, now you're artists. I feel like the show completely falls apart. Yeah. It's like, they're mm. not there to build fairy castles out of pretzels or whatever. They're there <laughs> to bake good food. Right. So it's weird to me when suddenly they're like, okay, be an artist, because then it feels more like Nailed It or some other, like, joke baking show. Yeah. Whereas, like, when they're just like, make the most beautiful tart you can. I'm like, okay, this is good. This is what I'm here for. I'm here for the, like, wholesomeness of them making a bunch of, like, profiteroles or whatever. But then, yeah. it, 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 when, when they're like, when they're like, you know, make a carousel out of shortbread, I'm like, stop it. Stop making them do that. They are not here for this. And it's even worse because they have those, like, beautiful uh, sketch drawings of what the thing is supposed yep. to be. And then, like, <laughs> nothing left for that book is. Like I said, so it, like, ends up feeling like, like, Nailed It on Netflix, which is about people that aren't good at baking. <laughs> even when it's actually about some of the best home bakers in the country. And I'm like, all right, come on now. Come on. Don't, don't give them those challenges. Baking aside, uh, how are you both? Uh, how, how's work doing? How is the creative life? Eddie? It's doing pretty good. I'm actually in kind of an odd spot uh, because since um, uh, 2020 was doing kind of two moderately big books simultaneously between Squeaks and Anima, um, and they're both now in the state of promoting them and playtesting them. So I'm actually doing a lot more like streaming and playtesting and revision and that kind of stuff than I am actually making a book right now. So it's kind of in a weird spot. And then of course, on top of that, a book I was working on for 18 months, my interactive novel for Pugmire also dropped. So it's a lot of promoting things that I worked on last year as opposed to yeah. making new things right now. So it's kind of an interesting spot for me. Mm-hmm. What about you, Dixie? Oh, you know, same old, same old. Uh, doing some editing, getting caught up on some things. Got, got a bunch of new folks on board, which is exciting. Uh, once the Essence Kickstarter ended, we rolled into the Squeaks one, obviously. And that is exciting for me because I worked on the book, but I... I didn't develop the book, so I'm not nearly as invested in the Kickstarter as I was for Essence. Right. Um, which is nice. Uh, also, because Essence was just a, a, a weird ride. And Squeaks is like, okay, this is nice. 
I like this. Pugwire fans are wholesome. True. Yes. Um. So yeah. So having on the phone with that, uh, doing the same streams that Eddie is, which means that I've had to block out, you know, a couple nights a week for a little while here for streaming, which is not a thing that I usually do. Like if if, if I'm in a stream, usually it's like once a week for like four weeks, and then I kind of stop. Mm -hmm. Um, or it's a one shot. And so being in these ongoing ones where I have like costumes I'm doing and characters I'm playing is is interesting, especially because I keep getting them almost mixed up. Like when I went to get ready recently for our Pugmire stream where I am playing a snake, I was like, wait, which character am I? Am I am I wig glasses or am I scales hat? Scales hat. Okay. Because, um, yeah, like I was just like, I think because they are all streams with Eddie, <laughs> it's really, really easy to forget which one I'm on. <laughs> but yeah, past Past that, it's been fun. I've been getting out a little bit more, which has been nice. I've seen some friends, including friends of the podcast, uh, Monica Specka and Danielle Lazon. Um, saw a bunch of our friends uh, in Baltimore recently, which was cool. We went to the aquarium. We looked at, looked at jellyfish. Uh, so that's that's been nice, just like getting back out into the world a little bit. Oh, lovely. Uh, well, and likewise, I uh, have been getting to see people again uh, with COVID restrictions lifting, though I am, of course, being very responsible with it. Listeners, don't worry about me. And uh, in terms of the yeah, creative pursuit, they came from the Cyclops' cave, uh, continues apace very nicely. Uh, we're very much looking forward to the apocalyptic record Kickstarter for Werewolf. That book is all done as far as the writing goes so now we are yeah hoping hoping to uh, get a quick launch on that kickstarter as soon as we can but we shall see when when we can do that whenever fits best honestly uh, so yeah all is well here too now if you're unfamiliar listeners with what we're doing in this episode then you have missed two fantastic two of my favorite onyx pathcast episodes and in those episodes, we, through various manners and means, came up with about two or three games each per episode. Uh, we were essentially homebrewing ideas, brainstorming new games, new properties, some of which had legs, some of which most certainly did not. Uh, some of them veered into the ludicrous, some of them were genuinely decent concepts that could could maybe one day see fruition. You never know. And if so, you heard it on the Pathcast first know. before it got refined into something workable. And that is what we are going to be doing here today. It's a nice exercise for us. Uh, it's always a bit of fun until, of course, we come up with a... Uh, we're given a parameter or two that we cannot possibly come up with a game for. But we'll give it our best shot. So... Here's the rules. We have three generators. We have a genre generator. We have a crisis generator. And we have a motivation generator. We do not have to use the subjects from all three. But all three will be used, will be clicked on, to generate ideas that mm -hmm. we can then spool off games for. And I will add an additional parameter. It's a loose one. And that is to say, these do not have to be role-playing games. These can be board games. These can be card games. These could even be video games. The only restriction is they have to be gameable. Finally, mm -hmm. I will make a die roll to see who is going to go first. I have a d6 in my hand. Eddie, 
is oh, no. assigned one to two. Dixie is three to four, and I am five to six. So, while everything else is being automated, I will manually roll the die. What a satisfying noise that was. And rolled a really one, is. appropriately enough. And so a one <gasps> means, Eddie, Eddie you Prime. are up first. Eddie Prime. Okay. Uh, none of those uh, pseudo-faux Eddies here. So, Eddie, here yeah, are your parameters. One. Yes. <laughs> uh, anything else is just a cheap knockoff. Uh, so, firstly, we have your genre. Your genre is magical realism. Your, oh, your crisis is clusters of tetrahedrons. <laughs> Uh, and your motivation is escape. So, this is going to be presumably a magically realistic setting. Something to do with clusters of tetrahedrons. Don't know where that came from. And escape. Eddie, what? the floor is yours. How is, how is, it, how is a tetrahedron a crisis? I'm... Well, if you were stuck in a cluster of tetrahedron. <laughs> so when when that came up, all I could think of actually was the Doctor Who episode with the cubes. Oh right, okay. Because that sounds exactly like this: magical realism, trying to escape clusters of some kind of shape. <laughs> there we go. There's a game, Doctor Who. No. Um. Uh, okay. Uh. So. Um. Reframing slightly clusters of tetrahedrons. Um. Uh, Let's go with the idea that this is a game that uses D4s instead. Okay. Um, so that you're at your rolling clusters of tetrahedrons as part of your game concept. Um, you're escaping from a prison that is actually an alternate reality. You're, you're, you're living in a world that is not exactly reality. It looks a lot like it's so kind of like a matrix, um, but rather than being mm -hmm. a sci-fi explanation we're looking at a magical explanation you've actually been put into a magical prison that you slowly start to realize is not reality uh and um you're trying to find ways to uh, uh ex exemplify the not flaws but the, the 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 magical weirdness of the world you're in and the more that you can kind of push those magical elements out into the world the more that this prison breaks down so you're actually it is in a way reverse mage the ascension where you're specifically trying to incur paradox because that will help you to actually leave the prison you're a part of and uh, and uh, if i may ask who are your fellow prisoners in this setting i'm gonna say that uh you are all uh people who witnessed something uh, you witness some kind of, of event that doesn't jar with reality. And so you've been shoved into this, this magical prison. So, so it's, it's like, the TVA? Huh? So it's kind of like TVA? Only yeah, people kind of. who have witnessed un unreality? Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, rather than it being like um, covering up the the situation that that burst in reality. It's like, let's just shove them into a world where it's like, they, it plays out the consequences of the, the, the strangeness they saw. So it's like, okay, you saw a strange thing, we're going to shunt you into a parallel version of that world, and you're going to keep seeing more strange stuff. But then it's in a contained space, you know, that where that, that, that can be controlled and observed, and maybe you will uh, uh, 
go uh, lose touch with reality. Maybe you will um, come to peace with it, or maybe you'll just turn into someone that can eventually be someone who places reality on your own. So again, I, I'm, I'm definitely, I think, inspired by Loki. Now, the more I talk about this, you're right. Uh, you're, you're a deviant or a variant, um, and you get shoved this area. But uh, uh, the um, devices that are used to determine breaks in reality are shaped like small pyramids. And that you, that's the tetrahedrons. The D4s that you roll are also larger physical devices that you use to actually kind of pervade reality. I imagine that like whatever you roll on the D4 is the magnitude of reality breaking that happens. I can see that. So like level Ooh. one through four in terms of level one's a very minor incursion. Level four is Cthulhu who showed up and said sup. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Back I like that. Totally okay. cool. and, uh, um, and what kind of platform, how do you see this game playing out? Is it primarily a role playing game or do you think this is something where the breaking out is more board gamified and essentially it's a competition to, to be the first out? Maybe it's a cooperative game. Um, I, I see it uh, as kind of a cooperative board game with some role play elements. Um, so, uh, you know, maybe not Gloomhaven in terms of, of structure, but in that kind of sense of there's a very strong concept and the discussions that you have as players and how you escape also a little bit of the role play your characters and fellow prisoners would have. Um, mm -hmm. but I do see kind of almost a territory control thing where you're bouncing around trying to create these incursions, then escaping from the consequences of creating those incursions. Uh, so I feel like that leads more naturally to a, a board or a card game aesthetic than a tabletop game generally as good at. It's more pop over here. I'm going to go over here and, and poke reality with a stick and see if I can get something big there, but then trying to get eaten by the thing that I just summoned while you're over here trying to get resources so that we can protect ourselves um, to avoid the consequences of these things that we've summoned. Mm. Hmm, that's very interesting. I like that, Eddie. And uh, I guess the big question, the $16,000 question in this case, is what is the name of your tetrahedron-based magical reality escapism game? Are you going uh, to give us $16,000? Someone will. Uh, if they... Uh, yeah, yeah, if they... <laughs> Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. $16,000. Dog dollars. Um, uh, um, my first gut is unreality, but that's kind of a dull name. So I'd have to workshop it a bit. Um, but something that plays with expectations, something that, 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 that evokes that kind of, uh, tearing down, uh, maybe, uh, outside the box. Ooh, something like that. Yeah. That's a nice that play on words. Plays with that. We're destroying status mm. quo. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, we have our first game outside the box. We'll chalk it up and put it on sale, see how it does. So we're going to see who's... <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yeah. Get soon. Uh, we're going to see who's going next. Dixie is one to three. I am four to six. And then this will set the order for the rest of our session. Okay, this one's a five. So it's me up next. And that means mine are, I have a genre of occult, so I'm really going to be stretching myself here. Uh, oh, I have oh, yeah, a, you hate occult. I, <laughs> I have a crisis of l'appel du vide. 
which is the Call of the Void. And my motivation is I want to fall in love. Hmm. <laughs> so you already made two thirds of this game in previous games since you right. worked on like cult. <laughs> yeah. So really, oh. and like and 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 Call of Cthulhu. So really, it's just about the romance angle having to be shoehorned in. Yeah, romance in the time. Hang on, we've already done love in the time of androids. Uh, so let's mix up a little so that it isn't <laughs> at all like uh, Call of Cthulhu. Uh, let's make so uh, my understanding of L'Appel du Vide is it isn't like suicidal ideation or anything like that. It is literally the you see a ledge, you want to just jump off it and see what happens. And so, oh, is that what that's called? Hmm. Uh, oh, I have that sometimes where you're like yeah. driving on a bridge and you're like, what if I just my bridge into the water. Yeah, I do too. Like you don't yeah. actually want to die, but you're just it, like that would be interesting. It's why it's um, I have an anti lapel du vide because I will not sit on the edge of bridges because I don't have a fear of heights, but I certainly have a fear of falling. Uh, so yeah. Uh, either way, um, so let's let's make it not like Call of Cthulhu or Cult. I think one of the best ways to do that when I'm thinking of love in a role-playing game is I generally think of uh, late teens, high schoolers, so it's not necessarily what one might call a mature kind of love, but, you know, teenage crushes, uh, puberty, all the rushing of hormones and emotions. Uh, that generally makes some exciting, dra dramatic play. And I think in our setting... Well, so... I'm I'm quite tempted to make it quite simplistic in the sense of the call of the void that maybe a massive sinkhole has appeared in small town America, a Sunnydale kind of place, and people have been jumping into it. They have been drawn to jump into it, and they haven't been just disappearing and dying. This is like their Junji Ito. This hole is this is my hole kind of thing. Uh, they've been jumping in, and they have been emerging at some point, somewhere. Maybe they just appear back in their beds or they appear when no one is around them and they are changed in some way. They uh, come back with powers, not necessarily in a super heroic kind of a way, but as we're talking occult, maybe they maybe they can now, I don't know, see through to the other side. Maybe they now have basic latent psychic powers or, you know, the real low-level occult uh, powers that we would give mortals in Chronicles of Darkness. And I want to provide this feeling that at this high school, of course, that all these teens are going to, that uh, the... That, that the that Almost like you've got a cult-like, not cult the role-playing game, a cult-like mentality has permeated your year of graduates, your graduate class, that on the day of graduation, a lot of students are going to jump into this hole and they don't know how it's going to change their life. They don't know if they're going to be made better by it. But the fact that the hole is there is a bigger definition of their reality than walking away from the hole. What they could have by jumping in, good or bad, is too much to give up by not doing it. And they don't know when this hole is going to be filled in or, or seal itself back together again. 
So uh, there's a, it's almost, I imagine it would have an almost end of the world feel to it. And I think you'd have a clock running in the background where these romances that you're trying to pursue, you do have that teenage feeling of, well, I'm coming to the end of school, therefore my life is over. And even more than that, once I jump into the hole, my life genuinely is over. I'm going to come back as someone different and I'm not going to be able to relate to normal people anymore. So I I don't know how I would work it as a system. I think it feels very much like a one-shot narrative game or a good convention game or maybe three-parter at most. But it has to have something that measures the scale of want the desire to change yourself because so few teens are actually happy in their own skin uh, and this this mystical void that has appeared in your community may be able to change you in the way you want. Uh, the Some kind of trait for desire to be loved, to be wanted by your, the, your other at school and I guess the occult side is really pushed to the side, but I guess that's almost like the flavor, but it isn't the main course. Uh, that's the promise of what you could have afterwards. So, uh, yeah, that's that's what I get when I'm putting those three concepts together. Can I just throw something out there? Because I came up with something completely different in my head when you first oh, I, mentioned those three. I, I, I would love and it I if you it did. Um, yeah, uh, go go for it. So it was the Call of the Void, the Occult, and uh, what was the third one? I Want to Fall in Rubbins, Love. Right. Mm. Uh, yeah, so I was thinking of a game where you play as a siren, and the Call of the Void is like what, 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 what humans feel as the Call of the Void is you calling to them because mm-hmm. you want, like, company and so it's 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 a i don't know like a a bluebeard's bridey kind of game or some kind of like epistolatory game where like you are playing as a siren who is trying to lure people to come live with you and it's not because of any malicious reason it's because you are you are lonely you are alone um and i have no idea what form that game would be but it sounds fun to me so yeah it was was just interesting because we had very different interpretations Hmm. No, I like that. Well, um, you could do both. If the sirens on the other side of the hole, yeah, they could what's, be the, uh, the creatures beckoning hole? people to siren hole. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't think the siren hole is a terribly appealing title. Uh, but <laughs> uh, so. So uh, I could very well see yours working as like a one-hour episode of a horror. Um, show or supernatural yeah. uh, sort of portmanteau thing different story every episode you know an anthology you've got a siren that's luring people to them to uh, end their loneliness which of course can never end because if it could they wouldn't be a cursed monster um, and of course that fits right. very well into Chronicles of Darkness too uh, do I have a name I want a name for mine that isn't just the whole um Siren hole. No, no, we're this. not going for siren hole. I guess mm, it has to be something that is dedicated to the hole. Uh, uh, it's got to be something like uh, descent or the pit or the chasm, something like Deep that. Deep of faith. 
Leap of Faith. Leap of Faith is excellent, actually. Leap of Faith really works. So, yeah, uh, I will call my strange narrative romance void game Leap of Faith. So there we go. Oh no, Dixie, you're up. Oh god, oh god, oh god, what am I going to get? Oh god. All oh, right god. then. So I don't, yeah, I, uh, I don't, well, don't worry. If you if you take a long time to come up with it, we'll just edit it so it makes it sound like you came up with it in a second. That's great. Uh, <laughs> uh, so here we go. Your genre is apocalyptic. Okay. Not post-apocalyptic, but apocalyptic. Uh, if you want me to change any of these, by the way, and the same applies to you, Eddie. No, if you that's, want me that's, to change that's any less of fun. These, we should just, just roll. roll um, your crisis is <laughs> okay. <laughs> Your crisis is you have an intense fear of becoming your parents. <laughs> <laughs> and... <laughs> and, uh, so I, I know this one's going to be a reach. Uh, so if you could uh, also come up with a motive, which is, well, no, your motive is, and again, you can change this if you want, because I'm not sure how well these gel, but. All power to you if you can make it work. You desperately want to open a business. <laughs> so, apocalyptic, intense fear of becoming your parents, and okay, you desperately so want to open a we business. We're doing a cozy, like, Stardew Valley type game, but the outside world has an apocalypse going on that your parents caused. So, you are trying to build a small little utopia commune type area with your friends that is isolated from the rest of the world. Um, so whether that looks like a, uh, like a fallout shelter type game, like a vault type game, or whether that looks like, um, like you're like living in a dome or it looks like the book wool, like you're living underground, like something where like you are trying to carve out a cool little place where you and people who didn't start the apocalypse can live. And of course, sometimes you get raiders from outside, people trying to take your supplies, very like Walking Dead, Alexandria safe zone, uh, but not nearly as horrific. But you do have to like fight things occasionally and build some defenses or shore up your outer walls. But really, it's mostly about cooperating to build a little place where you can like, you know, run a farm or open a bake shop or you know, help help other people in the community achieve their dreams of whatever they want to do that fits their place in the in the society. Uh, is your job in in this game by default? Is your job as the community leader? I think it really depends. I think this could work as like a cooperative like card or board game, and I also think it could work as like a video game, a la Stardew Valley or Cozy Grove or whatever. Um, so it it really depends. Also, I've got a lot of friends playing Valheim recently, which is a co op game where you're playing Vikings. Um, it's kind of like, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of yeah. this kind of idea. Um, it's just the setting that would change drastically. Uh, so yeah, I think it could work as a bunch of different games actually, because a co-op card game where you're like trading resources, like if Settlers of Catan weren't competitive, <laughs> if you were like trading resources to actually help each other. Um, yeah, I think it could be fun. That's lovely. It's yeah. It, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's nice. It's clear. It's concise. I think you've sold me on it. Uh, especially if it has some of the, as you say, it's not as miserable as Alexandria in The Walking Dead. So if it has some of that Stardew Valley mm -hmm. aesthetic, a bit, a bit cutesy, but 
ultimately optimistic. I think that's something that a lot of apocalyptic games and settings obviously lack because by the nature of the apocalypse that you could have a group that has a high morale you know they keep them yeah morale i would say that instead of like a nuclear apocalypse or like an alien apocalypse or the kind of thing we often think of it's more of the slow gradual apocalypse that we're probably already heading into <laughs> of like you know people not taking care of themselves and climate and stuff so like the world has gone to shit outside so you're like so many of my friends have this you know almost meme mindset where they're like what if we all just got a commune together because we're all millennials and housing prices and you know this this that and the other so this is like the millennial dream essentially it's like we don't want to be like our parents our parents sucked let's take care of each other yeah excellent okay uh, well no I, I really like that and what what name do you have for your stardew valley apocalypse okay boomer <laughs> Yeah, okay, we'll go for okay, Boomer. <laughs> because we are okay, and the Boomers are not. And whenever they come to us, and they're like, do you have any food? We're like, mm, okay, Boomer. <laughs> Love it. Okay, right. That means we're now back to you, Eddie. Uh, and we have for you, uh, and I hope you're looking forward to this, your genre is Western. Your existential crisis this time is... Torschluss panic, which is if not now, when? Uh, and <laughs> your character's greatest desire is to raise a family. You are a reformed bandit uh, who his past has caught up with him as you're in the process of trying to raise a family, and you have been avoiding actually. You know, you, this, this uh, you have a partner you love. Um, uh, you, you were talking about, uh, uh, having or adopting kids, uh, but you've been avoiding it because you're afraid your past is going to catch up to you. And then re- you start to realize if I don't have a family now, what if my, fa- my past does catch up with me and I die? Um, so, uh, so far it's a good story. Uh, so to gamify that, um, I see it kind of like, uh, a Papers, Please, or a Persona 5, where you have to balance your daily activities with um, more adventurous activities, and so kind of you have to do this resource kind of management. Um, you're trying to have a normal life during the day, and you're trying, you know, you're a shop owner, say, um, in an apocalypse, though. No. Um, you're a shop owner uh, trying to raise a family, but during the day, um, the bandits that you betrayed are showing up around town. Um, they're causing problems. And so you're trying to find ways to discreetly and quietly mm-hmm. shut them down before the bandits fully take over the town and realize that you're there. But you also don't want to um, get your – if you spend too much time doing that, your family becomes suspicious and worried about what's going to happen. And, and, and so because of that panic, you can't just be like, well, let's keep putting this off. It's you know, I, I – I might die any day now, so I do want to make sure my family is in a good position so that way if I do die, they're taken care of. But also I don't want them to know my my secret past. Um, so I do see this as kind of a uh, solitaire role-playing game or a video game, one of the two. Because um, I, I do see it as genuinely a one-on-one role-playing game where um, you're just constantly given these different uh, uh, missions and you have Okay, here's the three things in front of you. Pick one. But I can also it being very easily into a, a video game of you can spend time on X, Y, yeah. or Z, and then you have 
you know, three choices a day. And then after that, your day's over. Um, and some of those choices are, benef- you know, change different meters. So like, you know, um, you're, uh, uh, you have a meter for like your, your cover or your awareness, like, you know, how, you know, are people suspicious of you and that you could do things to bring that meter down, but then that's not generating money and your family needs food and supplies and medicine. So you spend money on those. So, okay, well, I have to do some work around. But then if I do work around the town, then that suspicion meter grows up because. Have you played Cultus Simulator? I have played Cultus Simulator. Because that actually sounds a little like Cultus Simulator where you're like, you've got to keep your day job. So you've got to put things toward that like every day while you're trying to build up your cult, but then people get suspicious of you. So you've got to get rid of suspicion. Like that's actually a really cool resource management kind of game. Yeah. I, I see this more as because it's a small Western town. Um, there are going to be mm-hmm. faces on those people. So mm-hmm. like, um, which is why I'm thinking it could also be a type of role-playing game where it's like, it's not just general unfocused suspicion, but like Mr. Johnson by the stable is becoming suspicious of you. And then eventually you have to deal with Mr. Johnson, whether it's talk him down, whether it's lie to him, whether it's tell him the truth, whether it's kill him, whatever. Um, and, and then like it, there's these very specific five bandits that are in town and, or whatever. Um, so because it's a small Western society, you can make, move that from the more abstract called the simulator of, of doing vague job things and getting vague right. suspicion to more specific, this character, this face, this person, may or may not have problems. So it's like The Sims, mm. but you might get murdered. Yes, exactly. Murder Sims. Murder Sims. And, uh, and what are you thinking of calling your Murder Sims game? Yeah. Yeah, the, the, um, uh, it probably would be uh, Last Hope, which is also the name of the city, of the, t- of the town you're in. That Last Hope, Nevada. Okay, excellent. Uh, so that means I am up next. I have Comedy. Uh, I have oh, a no. Crisis. Oh no, you hate comedy games. <laughs> I hate comedy and occult games. <laughs> Uh, my crisis is quite a long-winded one. Uh, it's sweating, powerlessness, burnout, tight chest, capitalist meaninglessness. <laughs> oh my god! So twenty twenty, right? Yeah. Uh, and this one has been submitted by someone called Doki Doki Poro. Uh, so I, I guess, yeah, uh, can see that. And uh, my motivation is atone for previous wrong wrongdoings. Uh, <clears throat> All right. But it's a so, comedy game. It's a, it's a but game it's comedy. Capitalism. Yeah. yeah, it's a comedy game about sweating, powerlessness, burnout, tight chest, capitalist meaninglessness, and atoning for previous wrongdoings. So I'm going to leap on something that Eddie suggested as one of his references in the form of papers, please. Uh, except let's think of Papers, Please, crossed between Paranoia and the movie Office Space. And so you are in a massive Mr. Robot-style E-Corp building, uh, which is horribly corrupt, horribly capitalistic. Uh, It works its uh, employees to the bone and clearly doesn't reward them for it and is ruining the world as part of it. And yet their share price keeps going up and up and up. They are the evil corp of this game. And you are a small, small gear in that machine, and you helped build it. I think you were maybe on the board of directors at one point. You got voted out, and they gave you a nominal job in the filing department uh, that kept you on the payroll, but out of sight. And now your guilt has caught up with you. So far, this isn't sounding very comedic, I admit. 
So this means that you have to your your role or your team's role. I think the entire filing team who could be in the office space molds generally miscreant. Uh, they they aren't necessarily people who would normally fit in in the uber capitalist society. Uh, you basically band together as anarchists within the capitalist machine. And you've got to take your company down from within without anyone realizing that it's you who's doing it. And I think you can use the broad strokes of Pentex humor that we have in Werewolf the Apocalypse for some of the company's uh, satirical corruptions. Uh, so try not to make it too... Uh, to vile, try and lean on office humour and all of the meaningless reports we've had to file in the past, those of us who have had these jobs, uh, the ridiculous one-to-one -one meetings that you have to have every single week to monitor your progress, all the usual bureaucracy and rigmarole of working in that kind of environment. And within that framework, you have to essentially go up level by level. I know everyone knows I love a nice vertical dungeon. Uh, where you are essentially trying to get your entire team transferred piecemeal to different departments and erode them from within through your malfeasance, <laughs> and but but also keeping it on the down low. Now, I think this would easily work as a board game the way I picture it, especially if, let's say, you start off with a team of six, you get to a floor, and let's say your first place to go, you go to technology, that you're in the IT department. And so you, as the new team leader in IT, need to start getting your former filing team members transferred to the IT department. Each time, each day you're there, you're making the IT department worse and worse and worse. And so you have to basically make the choice of how far do we let this department sink before we move up to the next floor, knowing that if we do, we're going to have to leave some of our team behind because you can't jump up two floors. And if a floor is basically obliterated, you can't jump past it. Uh, so you can try essentially bringing everyone up and saving everyone or make the sacrifice of leaving some of your team members behind in whatever shit job they're in with whom you have no no longer have contact because of security access or something like that. Uh, or basically give them up to the company and blame the company's fall on them, that sort of thing. Uh, so again, not terribly funny, not ha-ha funny, but wry comedy in a yeah capitalist satire kind of a way. Uh, and I think it could work as a, as a role-playing game. It certainly works better as a board game uh, in my head, but I think you could make it so that you had a, uh, had a paranoia-style game where you were working for the company and you are trying to bring it down from within. So... Uh, this yeah. actually reminds me of a, a little bit of uh, a video game called Orwell. Have you heard of it? I haven't. Oh, I've got Orwell. Yeah. Um, so Orwell basically is um, uh, a little convoluted, but basically uh, someone is investigating uh, terror attacks and you're the researcher. So all you do is you have basically a search engine and you train information, but then you have to decide what information you present to the investigator. And oh, that shapes, of course, the investigation. I could see something similar where, like, you're given reports and you can modify, censor, or pass on 
information to the corporation to kind of sabotage different mm. projects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I like that. And where, where I, I also thought. Mm, oh, sorry, sorry, Dixie, you carry on. I was going to say, I also thought that to make it more of a funny game, this would be a fun competitive board game where you're constantly trying to backstab each other with like cards or, mm. you know, what, like, think of like, 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 like Munchkin where people start ganging up on each other <laughs> because yeah. you realize one person's about to win and you're like, well, no, we should kill that person. Um, like that, that kind of game could also be really fun for this. And those you do usually get kind of funny, you know? Hmm. I think if uh, I mean if it were a board game, you might occasionally have a a sort of emergency card gets pulled from the deck, which is external regular external regulator comes to investigate the abnormalities, and at that point you have to basically decide: do we stick together or do we throw one of us to the wolves? And that's when people are going to start playing cards against each other to say, "Well, I'm not, <laughs> you know, I'm not losing my job over this." Right. Um, and as as a role playing game, you could certainly make the the company more interesting because you could actually have some sympathetic people on these floors who don't necessarily want to see fired. And so you have the option then of: is it possible to recruit this person? Is this person recruitable, or are they just sympathetic mm. because they are a that this is basically all they have in their life and they wouldn't betray the company. Uh, so they can't join your team, but you can't move them anywhere else either. So what do you do to this particular individual? So obviously through roleplay, NPCs can gain a little more flavor than just, this is Mrs. Jones who works on the fourth floor and she's been here for 25 years and is about to collect her pension. Um, but, you know, even that tells you something. So the question for this is, what do I call this hilarious game? Uh other than capitalist meaninglessness, which I really like. The to daily make it, grind. The daily grind. Hmm. Hmm. Nah, I'm not sure. May have to come back to it. Eddie, any mm. ideas? Um, I'm, I'm trying to play with um, uh, red language around losing money. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, like um, bleeding red, red ink, um, uh, that kind of logic of, of we're losing money. Um, Cult of the bloody red blood gods. Yes, there you go. <laughs> that, that, that works for every project. <laughs> um, but the other option are just um, uh, uh, climbing the corporate ladder kind of imagery. Cutthroat cubicles. Cutthroat cubicles is actually pretty good. Yeah, I like that. Uh, well, if, I mean, if you could, if we came up with a strong enough name for the company itself, you could just call it Evil Corp or whatever the company name was as long as it was evocative of the spirit of the game so right hmm red core no that's not very good for the time being we will call it the daily grind and if i come up with something else then i will name it something else uh so now dixie we are back to you uh, for what might be our final game of the session so I was gonna say, I think, I think we might only get through six this time, but that's yeah. okay. We've been very elaborate on them. It's true. We, we, I, I, I last time was I kept you guys like five minutes. So, yeah, we're, yeah. we're doing that this time. Yeah. We're having more fun with it. <laughs> oh, the tyrant. Uh, okay, you are a tyrant. It's true. Uh, this you always get the fun ones. Uh, so your genre is surrealist. <laughs> your crisis 
is, okay. uh, again, this is a long-winded crisis, but I, I like it. You have not diversified the portfolio of people you follow on social media. You only follow people who agree with your <laughs> worldview. Thus, you have a skewed version of reality. <laughs> and your motivation... Wow. Okay. Your motivation is to be in control. Oh, God, this one's hard. (laughs) Apparently, this crisis is SATA approved. (laughs) There's a little label on it. Good, good, good. That's that's great. That's just what I've always wanted. Uh, Surrealism. So, I feel like surrealism can go a couple different ways where you can go almost like a creepy direction with it, or you can make it more whimsical. Hmm. and I'm going to go with whimsy, I think, because why not? I'm making all the like lighthearted games over here because they're fun. Yeah. Because uh, what I think surreal, obviously, you know, you, you think of like colors that are too bright and shapes that aren't quite right and things that just kind of mess with your brain a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, at least that, that's what I think of. Um, so we're going to set it in like an Oz type place. Right? Like too colorful, everything's kind of weirdly cartoonish for live action. So you're already in this like weird world. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and say this is probably gonna be like a video game, mm-hmm. most likely. Uh, so all and all the information you have when you're dropped into the world, it's based on your knowledge of humans, uh, almost like a legend lore situation where you are dropped into this world from your own world. And you are very familiar with humans because that's all that you've ever been around. Um, that, that's, that's all you follow on social media are humans. So you'll you only know about human problems. So it's a uh, Space Jam-like. Uh, I mean, kind of. Uh, sure. I, I was thinking more fantasy, but yeah. And then you're, you're dropping this world and you start trying to like help people solve their problems. Almost like in The Magicians, too, I guess, where they go to the other world. Um, and like you realize that your worldview is very narrow, so you don't understand the problems of fairies or centaurs, or you think they're silly, and you have to kind of learn the gravity of various creatures and other kinds of people and their problems so that you can solve them. So they will eventually crown you the king or queen or what have you. So you are essentially kind of working to be like a Wizard of Oz type character, but not a charlatan. You are actually trying to help people. Mm. Uh, do do you think? Uh, what do you think are the main threats in this? I would say you do have to learn pretty quickly to avoid like completely offending a group and getting on their bad side. I always think of in like back in the day, like World of Warcraft, there were there was like in influence you could get with various factions, mm. like rep, rep, reputation. And sometimes getting a good reputation with one meant you got bad reputation with the other. So having to like pick who you piss off and who you don't, and therefore whose territory you can enter safely and whose you might have to actually fight. Um, it's not as surreal as I'd like it to be. Do, do either of you have anything to make it a little bit weirder? Well, um, uh, you're. It's not quite surrealism, but from a touchstone point, um, I, you got me thinking of uh, an airport for aliens currently run by dogs, which is the full title of the game. Um, and it's exactly what it says in the tin, mm-hmm. but that kind of, of juxtaposing very human problems with a, a obviously ludicrous concept. Yeah. Um, also, um, uh, what is the bird dating simulator? I've forgotten the name of it. Hot to Full Boyfriend. Hot to Full Boyfriend is another kind of 
uh, surrealist-ish elements that kind of, th in that case, the, the surreal concept helps bring the, the human focus into to shape while also adding usually a comedic element. Yeah, I can see that. I can I I can definitely see it as some kind of visual novel, even where you're doing more just choices, and just there's just weird stuff happening more than like your, your traditional video game. Um, it could probably be a role playing game, but you'd have to have a pretty flexible storyteller or a really robust like you know guide to how to run this game. Yeah, um, I could see it in the way of some games like we like some one shot games that we do where a lot of people just contribute concepts and then you kind of just roll with that. Um, so it's kind of more collaborative and weird, but yeah, I don't know. It could be a really funny game. And it could also be a pretty serious fantasy game, but I like the idea of you having to like break out of your human mindset to learn different cultures that are just like so drastically different from your own that you, uh, do you do, do, do not know how to talk to them? Like, uh, like in like some of the Star Trek episodes and stuff, you know. Uh, to to provide the nice contrast that comes with some surrealism, uh, you know, uh, between the the weird and the mundane, is if you if you tie it into this idea of you're connected to people on social media, and this has be this has formed your worldview for so long. Uh, and again, maybe maybe this would uh, push it too far into the horror or tension realm. But if the if your character ever got too deep into the surrealism, if they found they weren't coping with it anymore, uh, you can you could essentially reach out for help, but only via social media, and you would have to communicate in a way that that the people in your surreal world wouldn't pick up on, so they can't see you as a threat. Uh, it's a bit like uh, what what was that? game you you enjoyed dixie the uh one set on the island off of britain post second world war where they're all taking joy oh uh we happy few yes yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. uh so that's a good surreal game Just mm. speaking of surreal games in general that's a great game yeah so yeah you would have to make these sort of facebook updates that convey your distress and receive the affirmation and comfort you need to level yourself again the sort of you okay hum mm -hmm. kind of things. And that allows you to be more comfortable in the surreal environment because, okay, I'm grounded now. I've, I've earthed myself. Um, <laughs> but if you, yeah, if you reach out in a way that is too outlandish, that says, oh my God, Roger Rabbit. And so <laughs> are talking to me right now, uh, <laughs> people might think that you've uh, lost it and, everyone in the surreal world is going to see you as a threat to their reality. Yeah, I actually really like that. That's a, that, that's a fun mechanic to play with and gives you more of a threat. Yep, okay. So we have, we have made a game. I, I will say that um, mm -hmm. I think this illustrates that there aren't many surrealist games of any type that, that really stand out. I mean, there are games that have surreal touches, but a pure surrealism game, there aren't many in, it's in the world as a, as a concept. They're hard to make. So, I mean, I think it's just more that that's a hard genre to design in. Yeah, I mean, there is a, a, a surreal genre on Steam, and I was just looking through it, and the only version I'm... The, the, the only game on it that I'm familiar with is Death Stranding. Right. Um, yeah. Just from my, like, initial glance. I'm sure there are more... But, like, I'm going through these games, and I'm like, I don't know most of these games. And that's not 
it's not they're bad games i'm sure i'm sure some of them are really fun but like i've never heard of a lot of them because there just aren't it's, it's, it's not a genre a lot of people go into. Grim Fandango definitely has some surreal elements in its imagery. Mm-hmm. Uh, if not, uh, you know, its content isn't terribly surreal, but actually that's not true. Glottis is a pretty surreal character. And, yeah. Mm. Okay, so if I go by what's popular, there are a couple of games listed as surreal on here that I have played, and that's Control, which I have played. Okay. Disco Elysium. Okay. Uh, which definitely does like veer into the surreal. Sure. Uh, Cozy Grove, which I'm playing right now on my Switch, and Super Liminal, which definitely was kind of it's a surreal puzzle game. Um, they also have Hot Hotline Miami on here. Yeah. Which I have not played. Oh, but I'm that very is surreal. Yeah. Okay, it certainly one. gets that way. Psychonauts, Hello Neighbor. So yeah, there actually are a few games on here. Pathologic Two, which I own but haven't played yet. So yeah, I guess like they're 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 there, but they're not like. The the most famous three on here are Death Stranding, Control, and Disco Elysium. Um, two of which I have played. So, I can see it. I like it. But yeah, I like I like the game we made. It's fun. Uh, what's it called? Oh, yeah, it needs a yeah. name. Uh, I don't want to go with another... Like, of, of course, just like Eddie's first game was Unreality was like the, the go-to term. Like, Surreality seems like the go-to like easy title, and I don't want to do that. Um... I think I would call it something like checking in. Nice. Like just something really simple where like the whole mechanic, it's about you checking in with yourself and with other people and with your, you know, friends back in human world and whatever. Or even head check to kind of play with the surreal bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, see that, that just the title alone is, uh, I don't know how doable it is at this, uh, I guess, but uh, I, I like the idea of checking in or head check because it adds another layer to the game as to mm-hmm. whether your character is basically undergoing a massive breakdown or is in a center receiving treatment right. for addiction or something like that, that, um, yeah, they have checked in and this entire bizarre universe that they are experiencing is them, that they are working through whatever it is that's going on in their head. Oh, like the Buffy episode that never, ever resolved like, that issue. Like, there's an episode of Buffy, for those that haven't seen it, that positions her as not actually doing all these things, but as being a patient in a mental hospital, um, and has been the whole time, and it never actually, the show never tells you if that's the accurate reality or not. (laughs) So you never actually know from that point on if Buffy is supposed to be a real person or a woman trapped in her own head. Which I don't like. (laughs) <laughs> no, uh, we, we will assume not, uh, due to all the spin-offs. Uh, I um, I think going back to my office humor based game, I I wish the title Office Space hadn't been taken by the movie at this point. So yeah, uh, yeah. because that would have really worked. So I think instead it will be called. Um, I did have a good name for it, and now it's escaped me. Um, it was either just going to be called cubicles but that doesn't really tell you much about the game or um no you know what we're going to we're just going to go for the name of the company and i think we are going to and this is a criminal ripoff of e-corp in mr robot which is itself a ripoff of enron uh so i don't feel too bad about it we will call it Fuck it. Z Corp. 
so the company is Z Corp or Z Corp if you're American, <laughs> and uh, that is the co- the company you work for. Z always gives the impression of some kind of evil or nefariousness. So yeah. If you want to, Eddie, was that was that the company founded by my parents in our anima game? No, no, no. That's that's Gooey Corp. Okay, because I was going to say, like, <laughs> my character's name, last last name is Zed. If you want to play out the comedy elements of it, um, if you could have Z Corp, actually their their main resource is zombies. They actually make zombies and sell zombies. Or the people that work there become zombies because they're drones in the office, which is um, how the people in the basement who you start off as basically refer, you, you know, they all refer to each other as Zs or Zeds because by working here we become zombies there. Mm. Also, then you can license the Jonathan Colton song "Read Your Brains" as your ending credit song <laughs> for the movie adaptation of my role-playing game. Well, I, I, I was thinking if it was like a video game because we had talked about it being a video game at one point. But yeah, you could you could always just use that song. Mm. Okay, yeah. uh, I will. I'll get in contact with them. Uh, so, listeners, uh, now is the time for you to go onto Discord, go onto the Onyx Pathcast uh, server, and say which of these games you would actually play. <laughs> uh, which of them you wouldn't touch with a 10 foot barge pole, uh, because we love your affirmation. And, but in fact, don't criticize. This was fun. Uh, but as for Eddie, Eddie, uh, which of these <laughs> games, uh, which of these games appeal to you the most? Honestly, I do kind of dig the uh, humidic um, corporate espionage game idea, um, and also I really like the kind of hope punky. We're gonna build our own commune game. Uh, I think both of those would be really, really fun to play. What about you, Dixie? I mean, obviously, I like the games I made up because I like I, I, I tend to make up games that are based on games I would enjoy. Um, <laughs> but I also think that Eddie's Western game would be really fun. And I liked your Void game a lot. Also, I'd probably play the Office game because I have played Death and Taxes a fair amount. Mm. And that's kind of like that Office game, honestly. Mm. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think most of them are pretty fun this time around. Actually, yeah, we, I don't think we came up with anything ludicrous. Uh, my 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 favorite was the surrealism game, uh, and I think uh, it's just for me the the more you were speaking about it, the more we started throwing things into it, the mm-hmm. bigger I thought it could be. It's it's a game that could have a lot of layers mm-hmm. and and be played with a lot of different tones. And I really like that. I think it's it's something I'm going to be thinking about for a while now. So, yeah, uh, listeners, uh, please uh, let us know which of the games you like the most. And, Eddie, if people wanted to find you online and back a Kickstarter with which you're involved, where would they go? Uh, well, first, they can find me a lot on Kickstarter in the Squeak to Deep Kickstarter, which at the time of recording is just a little over 200% funded. Um, we just hit our stretch goal for adding uh, rabbit content into the book. And who, who knows? If things go weather, maybe we'll make them playable. We'll see how the Kickstarter goes. But uh, um, it is fully funded if you want to play Psychic Mice and Rats, uh, exploring the underground of the Pogmire or the Monarchies of Mao. Definitely go check that out. For only five bucks, you can get the whole manuscript and bits and bases to check out what the book's going to look like. 
but after that, um, you can find me at pugsteady.com. You can find me as Pugsteady on Twitter. Uh, and you can find me hanging around the Onyx Pathcast channel on the Onyx Path Discord. And what about you, Dixie? As always, you can find me in most places as Dixie Cyanide, whether that's on Discord, Twitter, what have you. Uh, you can also find me hanging out around this week's in the Deep Kickstarter because I did write on that book and I'm very excited about uh, my work getting out there. Um, yeah, please let us know what you think. Pop a comment in. They can find me on Twitter at DawkinsMP. As with my colleagues, they can find me on Discord. Uh, never be afraid to chime in with your thoughts about the podcast or our books. Uh, we love to receive your feedback, and that is exactly what the Discord is for. The number of members on that Discord just keeps going up and up and up, and that's wonderful to see. It's lovely to see people engaging with our games and playing them, hearing about them, playing them. And with all that said, thank you for listening. Many worlds, one path cast.